coming up next in The Ziggler Show. This is a sales class, pure and simple. And if you know Zig Ziglar at all, you know his claim is we're all in sales. As true sales is figuring out what people really need and helping them get it. And this show was prompted by Ziggler Show podcast listener, Adam Reed, who sent this question in. I'm in sales. I'm a rep for DHL Express Canada. I help businesses in the Saskatchewan market set up accounts to help send and receive their products all around the world. It's a great job uh, to have, and The Ziggler Show has really helped me develop my skills and experience in selling. As a listener to your show and a professional working in sales, one thing I think would be helpful to listeners like me is to create an episode with... Tom Ziegler about uncovering needs as a sales professional in my industry. This is a big part of building trust and helping develop relationships with customers in my territory. As a frequent listener to the show, there is a theme that's often discussed about solving the customer's problems yet. I haven't been able to hear your take on it. I think if you were able to go deeper and solve how you solve the customer's problems, it'd be very beneficial to the audience. So, I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family-owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Here we go. In this episode, that's just what we did. We gave our take on sales and figuring out the prospect's need. And it's led by master sales trainer, Tom Ziegler himself. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. On The Ziggler Show, my focus is getting to the root of personal and business development by digging into what actually helps us change and transform and achieve the progress we feel called to and the fulfillment we truly desire. Here, I bring today's most influential people onto the show and take captive the core issues of human performance by having honest conversations about what really matters to our individual success. If you want to go beyond merely listening and join our community of people devoted to making positive change in their life and work, come over to kevinmiller.co and join my Driven to Live community. You can go from listening to this podcast episode about sales to discussing how to apply it to your life, to your business. And if you've got an idea for an episode yourself, let me know on Facebook at Agent K Miller or email me at kmiller at kevinmiller.co. Now here's Tom Ziegler. He's going to School us on sales. So Adam Reed is a listener. And as we get lots of inquiries and questions, this one was just kind of specific, aimed right at you, Tom. 
So let's talk about sales. Uh, Adam says, I am a sales rep for DHL Express Canada, and I help businesses with Saskatchewan market set up accounts to help send and receive their products all around the world. It's a great job to have. And the Ziegler show has really helped me develop my skills and experience in selling. As a listener to your show and a professional working in sales, one thing that I think would be helpful to listeners like me is to create an episode with Tom Ziegler about uncovering needs. As a sales professional in my industry, this is a big part of building trust and helping and helping develop a relationship with customers in my territory. As a frequent listener to your show, there's a theme that's often discussed about solving the customer's problems. Yet I haven't been able to hear your take on it. I think if you were able to do a deeper take on solving the customer's problems, this would be very beneficial to the audience. Uh, well, yeah, it is. That's a classic, you know, part of selling. I mean, Ziegler is, is our name more well-known in regards to sales and sales training. That's where your dad, Zig, started. And uh, you guys are about sales. So that's it. It's, you know, helping somebody figure out how to solve a need. And we do talk to that, uh, to that aspect a lot. But I appreciate Adam saying, you know, can you get specific? How do you unearth, uncover, discover what the person's need truly is that you can hopefully solve, whether it's with your product or service or somebody else's? So, uh, yeah, Tom, that's a key, key topic for us. So, Kevin, I'm just curious, what desired outcome do you want in our podcast today? What desired, I want the best message on sales anyone has ever heard, and they'll be so influenced and benefited by it, they will send it to everyone they know and say, guys, everybody's in sales. Zig Ziglar tells us that. It's sales is influence, and you need to hear this show, and it'll help you not only in your business, it'll help you sell and influence your kids, your spouse, your friends and family towards the things that you think will benefit their lives. How's that? So can you share with me a few of the benefits of, of this influence being, you know, multiplied from your perspective? How would it benefit you? If I gain more influence, help more people, it helps me in every area of my life. I mean, first off, I just personally feel a dramatic amount of satisfaction and fulfillment. I have helped contribute to the world. And anytime you help somebody, there's lots of reciprocity. It'll come back and it will help me. I'll make more money. I'll have more time. I'll have more joy. It's a benefit all the way around. So why is making more money and having more time important to you? I have a huge family and our monthly bill is out of this world, Tom. It's unbelievable. We just had 10 people in the house for two weeks over Christmas. And I think we ate everything that the local grocery stores had to offer. Uh, so money uh, is, is huge. And of course, money is time. And as money continues to come in, I personally don't have a lot of stuff to buy. So I use the time and I do things. I do things with my kids. I take off on mountain bike rides. I spend time hanging out with awesome guys like you. Uh, it's worth its weight in gold. So what you're saying is if you had more money, that would create more time. How would you use that extra time? A lot of it these days, I'm using it for myself. I'm using it to invest in myself and be more aware of me and of pursuing peace and what that means to me. 
uh, and with relationships. Honestly, you and I spend lots of time together. I appreciate that. I just got back from a morning with three other guys. We meet every Friday and it was just a gift as everybody else is scurried off to work. We're sitting there and one of the guys got a brand new house and we're just having time together. And as I go on more, I think there's not a whole lot that I want. And it's not that I'm the wealthiest guy in the world and have every possession known to man. I just don't really have a lot of possessions I want or need. I want time to be and learn and grow. Okay, well, <clears throat> so I just asked a series of open-ended questions, and it sounds like if you had more peace, you had more time, you'd have better relationships, but none of those happen without more money, more effectiveness, bigger reach. So these are all things that uh, are needs, but they weren't really expressed in the first answer, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is, <laughs> which is, I want to have a great podcast that influences people. Yeah. Right. So it's the why behind the why. So let's dig into this a little bit. Uh, first, I want to address the big change we've seen over the last two years. And part of the challenge that people are going through is they don't even know what questions to ask or who to ask them to. And, and it's because their, their life may be in a different position or the people they used to do business with or have relationships with are no longer there, or they're thinking differently than they were before. And so, so here's the three questions. Um, and it's kind of a list building thing and it prompts your mind write down everybody who you've had a relationship with in the past uh personally and primarily professionally for this exercise who you've done business with and personally uh maybe who you could do business with so write all those names down and now write down all the names of the people who you currently have business with. So we're looking at past and then we're looking at current. And then the third list is everybody you want to have relationships with that you could do business with and see how many of the names from the first and second, you can move to the third. So you're, 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 you're trying to think of, okay, I had, I used to do business with them in the past. I'm still doing business with them and I want to do business with them in the future. That's one group of people. The second group of people is, Oh, I forgot about them because <laughs> they were way in the past. I could serve them now. So I move them over and we're trying to get that now ask this question. What's changed? What problems do the people I want to do business with going forward, what's changed? What problems are they currently facing? And then the big one, what problems do I solve? So we've got to get when we're, when we're going into, so the question was, how do we uncover need? 
we first have to really understand the problems that we solve because we can uncover need all day long. And there's really two things we do with that. When, when I talk to someone and I uncover a need, I am either part of the solution to that, or I can refer them to somebody who is part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And in today's world, you want to be known as the answer source, not that you provide the answer, but that you can at least refer them to somebody who provides the answer. Cause we, when we get recognized, when we build a reputation for somebody who knows how to clarify and identify needs and then either serve that person, solve that problem or point them in the right direction and refer them to somebody who can, that is valuable real estate. Yeah. <clears throat> That's where we want to go. So you know, once you've done, you know, in, in that time, I'm thinking about um, uh, our buddy, Randy James, Dr. Randy James, and thinking about him. I and mean, when he has a patient come in, he is not trying to sell them something. That's the furthest, furthest thing from his mind. He is solely there to come alongside and use his expertise to help diagnose what they really need. And if he can provide it right here in the office, great. But a dramatic amount of times, he's just referring them elsewhere and to a specialist, to somebody that can help him. And through that now, you know, as a doctor, of course, his, you know, my analogy breaks down a little bit because he's getting paid for his time uh, to, uh, to a degree, but he is paid to help them figure out what the real problem is and to solve it. And they trust him to do that. And they trust him when he does that. And I love that concept of feeling like when somebody comes to me, I get in contact with my product or service, I'm coming alongside them like a doctor, man, let me help you. And it, let's make sure is my product or service best for you. And if not, is this one. And we all could tell lots of stories about somebody who we talked out of purchasing our product or service. Cause we said, man, understanding what you really need now, I think so-and-so or this product or service can help you better. And I have so many stories myself of, I didn't sell them. I did not get a dollar for them, but they referred me three people who paid me because of their, uh, of the benefit of what you just said of, of having their, uh, trust being that answered, uh, that source for the answer. Uh, it's such, it takes the weight off of, Oh my gosh, I got to sell something. Yeah. And I, there's an old saying that says, uh, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Mm. <laughs> Man, that's weighty for sales right there. That's significant. Yeah. And so we're talking about our doctor and gosh, you know, so we're asking questions, diagnosis type questions, uh, and we may not be the solution for it and that's okay. Because if we can build that trust and build that relationship that, hey, you know what, if it has anything to do with developing people or maximizing performance, I want to call Ziggler, mm -hmm. you know, and they might need a new website or a new CRM and we don't do that. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and so what do we do? We say, hey, have you checked out this? You've checked out that. Let me connect you with someone. That's 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 what we mean by when we, when we start diagnosing, when we start trying to figure out, okay, what's the real need? What's the real need? 
you know, like, so in, we do sales training. And so, um, we talk to somebody and we're like, we need to ramp up our sales. We need more sales. Well, that's, that's great. That's what we do is we help companies create more sales. So tell me about your sales process. Oh, we get a lead and, and, and that lead comes in and then we, we categorize the type of lead it is. We, we document where it came from and then we give it to the, the appropriate person to follow up. Well, tell me about how that person follows up. Oh, well, they usually reach out with an email and a phone call and, and we have a sales process. Well, tell me about the sales process. Well, we go through uh, a needs assessment on the front end, a little bit of discovery. We understand what they're currently doing and what their needs are. And we try to figure out what the gap is. Well, that's fantastic. How is that working for you? Oh, well, you know what? It's pretty amazing. We have about an 80% close ratio when we get a lead. Wow, that's amazing. And so what's your challenge? Well, we don't have enough revenue. Oh, well, help me understand is, are you, you know, what's the pricing structure look like when you price it? Oh, you know what? We're the most expensive in the industry. Well, what kind of margins do you have? We have fantastic margins. So you close 80%, you're one of the, you know, the highest level premium products in the industry. You got great margins and your revenue is hurting. Oh yeah, our revenue, it's killing us. Well, what's the challenge? We don't have enough leads. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's a different solution. And we can brainstorm with them, give them some ideas, but we got to connect them with somebody. Yeah. But we asked a bunch of open-ended questions. And so there are four types of questions that you can ask. And uh, the first question is the type is what we call closed questions. So if you go to Dr. James office and you fill out the form when you come in, they're going to say, what's your birthday? <laughs> That's a closed ended question. It's, it's one answer, right? There's no discussion around it. There's no feeling or, or anything around it. It's just, hey, my birthday is February 1st. So we use these types of closed questions to gather facts. Gosh, how long have you been feeling the pain? That's a closed question, right? How long have you fill in the blank? What are you currently using? Fill in the blank. Those are all closed questions. Have you ever done anything like this before? That's a yes or no. We also uh, use closed-ended questions to kind of gain agree to to gain agreement uh, in in a conversation. So, uh, would you like for me to send this to you today? Yes. If we send it to you today. Would you be able to have a conversation tomorrow? Yes, right? Those are type of agreement type questions. So we're hunting for the yes question. Undercovering, uncovering needs. Um, closed questions are good to get the basics. But, and it's the most common question that gets asked. 
but it also gives us the least amount of relevant information. And so the next level of question is the open questions. You can't answer an open-ended question in one word. It takes a lot of words. And we're looking for all kinds of information, feelings, uh, you know, frustrations, good, you know, what's wrong with this picture and so on. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on sales and how to uncover someone's true need. We'll be right back. When we do an open-ended question... Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all, and Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places, it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code Kevin. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers 
into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Uh, our, and this is the key in sales, okay? So remember, we started off by what problem do you solve? Who do you want to build relationships with? So your motivation here has to be something that benefits the client the prospect. When you start asking open-ended questions, what you're doing is you're, is what I did with Kevin earlier. You know, what kind of a, what do you, how do you want the show to go? Why is that important to you? And he started telling me about, gosh, he wants more time, more peace of mind. Uh, he needs the money to free him up to do that. He's going to do more bike rides. He's got a family of 10 that he wants to support and, what's really keeping him from living his best life is the it's, you know, uh, a mission statement for some people is I want to do what I want when I want with who I want. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, yeah. the, not a mission statement, the definition of success. So what Kevin told me is his definition of success is doing what he wants. Hey, spending time with my family whenever he wants that's pretty powerful. These usually happen at the beginning of the conversation. So you get an inbound call. So they call in and they say, Hey, Kevin, what's going on? And you say, fantastic. How can I help you today? And they say, Oh, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. Now the open-ended questions can begin. Well, that's fantastic. What, what, what was the reason for your call today? Why are you calling about this today? It's a why question, right? We're, we're, we're digging into the why that follows it up. Well, you know, my car has been doing pretty good, and but it broke down last week, and I, I've got it at the shop, and all of a sudden it's going to cost X to fix it. I don't know if it's worth fixing or if I should get a new car. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's great. Have, have you been thinking about a new car before, before this happened or is this a brand new thought? Oh no, this is a brand, brand new thought. Well, when you think about a new car, what does it need to have in order to make, to meet your needs? And so then they start giving you the list. These type of questions are about the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, the how. Describe to me. Can you tell me more about that? If you want a fantastic open-ended question, tell me more is one of the best that you can use. And I use that with Kevin. So you want more uh, more time. Tell me more about that. What would you do with that? Right. And so he started going into that. 
when you get tell me more, then you can then you can ask the second open it. Well, why is that important, right? Why is that important? That's a, those two go hand in hand so many times. A lot of times, um, it's it's when you're trying to uncover the need, you can do a needs assessment, and so what are the reasons that people buy your product or service? What problems do those products or services solve? What needs do they fulfill? So when uncovering the needs, if you know the problem that your product or service solves, then that's going to take you to the needs that it satisfies, that it fulfills. Then there's before and after. So Kevin, tell me a little bit about your life right now. Or the situation. Tell me how you want it to be. And there's a gap. Open-ended questions are fantastic at identifying pain. Mm. And people are more likely to make a decision based on avoiding pain than they are to make a decision that's going to give them some unknown gain. It's just the way we're wired. We don't like pain. Well, tell me more about your car. Well, gosh, you know, it broke down. I was out. And I just, I'm kind of nervous. My wife drives that car sometimes. And if it broke down when she was on the road, this is pain, right? This is this is something that's bad could happen. And that's that's a motivating factor. I don't want to waste money. I don't want to put more money into that car if I should buy a new one. That's a, that's a fear. That's a pain. Okay. So tell me if you had the right kind of car, what would that do for you? Well, it'd give me peace of mind. It would give me security. All those things start to come out. So that's the second type of questions is the open-ended questions. The, I mean, what you're talking about, Tom, with this, you know, as you're going through, I know you're getting into some of the details and getting granular on the specific questions, but I'm, I'm thinking back to Adam and his question here. He's in shipping and thinking about he specifically just for folks to hear it again. He says, I help businesses with the Saskatchewan market set up accounts to help send and receive their products all around the world. And I'm thinking about if I'm him, I want to be the resource. I want to be the expert in that field beyond just his product or specific service. He's the expert. He's the, he's the person that the CEOs of the companies or the execs in the companies are calling uh, or relying on for new information on how they can do their job better. And right now there's so much volatility everywhere, but globally with shipping specifically that he can be the guy who's, I mean, there's not a day that goes by. He goes, Hey guys, this article just came out. This report just came out. And I think this is, this is relevant to what you guys are doing. So just, it's just, just something that has nothing to do with his specific service. Cause on the other side, I mean, how many times have we ourselves, uh, experienced this or we've, we've, uh, somebody else has complained about it, about somebody calling them for something that doesn't even have to do with their product or service. Can you believe that they're calling me about this? And I'm thinking that's exactly what we want. I mean, we want, we want in this case with uh, Adam to be so valuable doing what he's doing that if he left that job or got fired for whatever reason, that he'd have these folks clambering to get his counsel because he's so valuable to their businesses. 
even though he's not even working with the company anymore. And we've all experienced this again, even our own, or most of us, I think, hopefully uh, that we've been that person or we've experienced somebody who they have just become that source. It makes me think of uh, Tom Schwab. Tom Schwab owns or runs, uh, I think runs and owns interview valet. So people come to him, pay him money, personalities do to help them get on podcasts specifically other PR, other, other PR too, but podcasts specifically. So I'm his, I'm his client as well. He's trying to get his clients on, onto my shows. So he's catering to me. He has become an incredible resource just for podcasting. He is now an expert in podcasting. So here I am, he wants people on my show and I'm contacting him going, man, Tom, I got a question or I need a resource. Would you help me? And I get feed, I get, uh, he feeds me information. He did one recently. Ah, it's probably six months ago, five months ago about a new algorithm that pot, that Apple created. And it was a, a really a call out to us as podcasters to quit doing the canned intros to our shows and to get to the point. It's kind of like an SEO thing on websites, uh, where they're going to pick out the words that you say about what you're show episode is the topic is. And he sent that to me. I recrafted the beginning of my show because of him. So what kind of reciprocity do I feel towards Tom when he comes along with his next personality and says, Hey, Kevin, I think this would be a great fit for your show, man. He gets top notch attention, you know, from me. So I'm contacting about stuff that has nothing to do about his product or service, but it's paying off for him. And that's, as I hear you going through these steps, Tom, that's where, that's what I envision that I am the resource back to what you said. Now I know you're going to keep going into the steps, but at the core of it, I love the spirit of that, that I am not there to say, man, my goal for the year is to sell X amount of whatever that may be. But my main goal is I want to be the, what you said, I want to be the trusted resource for everybody in my field. That's, I love it. Yep. And so let's go back to the shipping. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a, a prospect calls in and they're like, Hey, you know, we ship 50 items a month and I want to know how you can help us out, how, you know, they go all over the world. And so my needs assessment is going to be, oh man, that's exactly what we do. Uh, Can you help me understand, are you looking for a value-based shipping that gets there in a reasonable amount of time and you can always quote the same, you know, price? Or is everyone urgent and it has to be there or else? Because <laughs> one of them is our standard service agreement. The other one's our concierge level where we actually do the tracking. And so, so they start, well, gosh, I think I need both. Well, tell me about your business. What keeps you up at night? Is it that you're losing uh, people because of price or you're losing people because of uh, poor quality. Those are two different reasons. And so we start to get an understanding of what it is that we go. And then that's where the, that's where the third question type really comes in handy. And these are reflective questions. Hmm. And this is where in the needs assessment, as you're working with that prospect, that customer, you start asking questions where they elaborate and clarify what they mean. And they say, well, you know, we are uh, a premium company. So the client could say, hey, we're a premium company. We offer premium service. 
And uh, so I'm looking for shipping that would go along with that. Well, help me understand what does premium service mean? Because I tell you what, you ask five companies what premium service means, you're going to get five different answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I would follow up and say, well, when you ask your customers what premium service is, what do they tell you? And sometimes your prospect will say, oh, they tell me A, B, and C. And sometimes they'll say, I never thought about asking them that. Right. And those are two different answers entirely. And it helps build context. So what would it mean to you if when you use this as shipping, uh, we got it there, we tracked it and we let you know if anything was awry. So you could tell your customer prior to something happening, what would that mean to you? And let them reflect on it. Because some will say, oh, it's no big deal. You know, if our stuff is late, it doesn't really matter. Um, if our stuff is late, lives are at stake. <laughs> you know, those are two extremes. Uh, <clears throat> what type of reputation would you like your company to have in regards to on-time delivery? How much are you willing you know, is that, is that reputation something you're willing to invest in? And if the answer is yes, tell me more. Tell me why, you know, have you had a personal experience where the wrong shipping really hurt you? I'd like to know. Mm -hmm. And so they, and so here's, here's the thing is now you, you're taking notes. Okay. So you're working with somebody and they're telling you their needs, they're reflecting on something. And then they, they give you a horror story. They say, hey, you know what? The reason I'm calling you is we just had our third fumbled shipment in a row and we have a customer at stake. And so you're writing notes and they just tell you the story. And then you say, hey, I'd like to recap this quickly and tell me if this is right. So what you're telling, what you said is we've recently fumbled three shipments in a row and a major comp, uh, we're, at, we're at risk at losing a major account over it. Is that correct? Yes. What would it look like to your business if you lost the major account because of fumbled shipping? Let them talk. And this allows you to get the feeling behind it. Well, that's why we're here. This is what we do. We do everything that's humanly possible to make sure that every shipment is tracked. If we, if we could deliver that to you, how would that make you feel? Would that be important to you? Would that be valuable to you? And again, you're, you're asking the question. You're finishing it as a question. I love and now we're going back and forth between reflective and open-ended questions. So that's the third type, the reflective. Yeah, that one, Tom, I'm, I'm thinking of, of some personal examples. So I was just at a buddy's house. Uh, he just, he built, he and his wife built their house. And so got me to talking about building my own house 13 years ago now. And 
revisiting some of the, cause I had so many people trying to sell me on stuff. So many contractors and even that to ask, would that be valuable? Hey, we can do this. Would that be, you know, would that be valuable? I'll, I'll never forget a guy who was a cabinet guy. And he says, I do, I I'm, I'm the guy you want. If you want it perfect, if you want the absolute top notch, perfect. And my right away in my head said, no, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want to pay for that at the time. I couldn't afford that. And that's not our style, really. We wanted something, you know, rustic and cool, whatever. But he did, he, he didn't really do the work to uncover that. But I, I thought also of, you know, you spoke to kind of just your, your, causing me as the prospect to really envision what do I want, which I probably don't know. So what a benefit just in that. But then also I'll never forget guys who came out as I was looking at putting asphalt down. I never once had one of them say, Kevin, what's your vision? How do you, how do you, you know, how do you like, you've been to my house, Tom, I got lots of driveway. How do you envision this? What's it going to look like? What's the purpose of it? And what's wrong with what, what you got now? What are the things there? And why are you doing this after all these years? You've been moved in for a long time. What now? Never had it happen. Probably had five guys out there pitching me anywhere from five grand to 15 grand. Uh, actually, I think it was more than that even at the, t- at the high end. Nobody ever asked. All they did was tell me what they did, told me about their product or service. And ultimately, I never hired, I, I didn't hire one of them. The whole thing like seemed like such a hassle and was so disparate in it. I just didn't do it. I ultimately did a, uh, a crushed asphalt type thing that's been awesome since then. That was a fraction you know, of the amount. But again, back to what you're talking about. They didn't get my business. I did the one thing that you say is the most dangerous thing is I just didn't make a decision at all. And, and these guys did not do any of this and what an opportunity it leaves for the rest of us. Yep. And that's your biggest competitor, your biggest, uh, what we want is we want to get a yes or a no. We never want a maybe. And so the biggest thing that we have to do through discovering needs and asking questions and in the sales process is to get a yes or a no. Yeah. We can never leave it to a maybe. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on sales and how to uncover someone's true need. We'll be right back. You were getting bids to put concrete and paving around your house. Yeah. Yep. And... Nobody looked over at the fire pit and said, hey, so tell me how you use the fire pit and do you want that LinkedIn? Mm -mm. Or what kind of memories do you think you can make on this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Do you track, Kevin, I mean, do you guys track mud in the house all the time? I'm just curious. I I mean, it was, it was some of the most elementary stuff, Tom, and, and never did. And what was the the real, one of the real needs We, we had mud we have a lot of clay. We have to plow it, the snow on it. There's so many things they could have chimed into and hit me on. So how much time do you spend messing with this, Kevin? How, what's your time worth? You know, so let's look at the number. I mean, just not, it was just the basic, hey, this is what we do. This is the cost. This is why we're good and everybody else stinks, which is a, a terrible way to, to do it. It, it, was, it was terrible. Nobody got my money and I could have afforded it at the time. And I ultimately just didn't do it. And it made me think, you know, to what you've said so often that our biggest competitor is just not doing nothing. So the, the person doing nothing, I am so aware of multiple things in my life where a lot of times I continue on 
with what I have, with whatever product or service I have, knowing it's not the best, knowing it's not the most efficient or effective or affordable. And yet it's such a hassle. And, and all I've got is, uh, is people out here trying to sell their thing and not really understand me that I just stick with. And it's the old, you know, kind of a bummer adage, but it better the devil, you know, than in one you don't. And so I just stick with a inferior product because nobody will do. And, and I feel like it's as bad today as ever, Tom. I mean, it, we, we've got such a, it's like the lost art of selling. It really is. We just have order takers now. And back to the show we did not long ago, you know, it's the, the landscapes changed because we can look at reports and reviews and research online. We don't need a salesperson to inform me about the intricacies of asphalt. I can figure that out. I can look at all the reviews. I just need somebody who I trust and who I think understands my vision and helps me. And I appreciate this too. You've pointed out really helps me understand what my vision are it is really is because uh, chances are I just got irritated at the next rain and the mud and my wife upset about it. And I just spontaneously called a bunch of people and had them kind of come out. I don't even know what my vision is. So to have somebody ask me these questions would help me talk, talk me into what I really need. If I really need anything and what it's worth to me, nobody did it. And this is, you know, this is years ago. And again, since then I had a good buddy who recommended another option. It's been awesome for us. I wish one of these guys had done that. I would, I would recommend them. So to everybody. And yeah, when it comes to, there's another big, big ticket issue here when it comes to especially service providers who get a bad rap, uh, unfortunately, because it's sometimes it's often deserved. I have so many people that I've used. I cannot even remember their name. Can't remember their name. And they probably think they did a great job, which is of course what I, that's just what I expected, but I can't remember their name. Last time I needed some service on my dramatically huge and expensive septic system. I remember the guy that did it before did a pretty good job. I just, I literally could not come up with the name. I looked back through stuff, couldn't find a receipt. The guys never stayed in touch. I ended up using somebody else. And, uh, yeah, is there such, it's amazing in this day and age with this information we're talking about, that's been around for a long time and yet people don't know, but the opportunity to kill it by harnessing this stuff is dramatic. Yep. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to finish up the fourth type of question mm -hmm. and then we're going to go over our framework, which we call POGO for how you organize these questions into a conversation. Okay. Right. So the fourth type of question is the direct agreement question. And these are yes or no. Sometimes we call them trial closes. Uh, you know, a direct agreement is, uh, would you like to go ahead and um, pay with credit card? <laughs> That's yes or no. Yeah. We can be more subtle than that. Uh, and so let's go back to the shipping. So, we ask the open-ended questions, the reflection questions, and the person who's inquiring, they're losing sleep over this. They have a, you know, they, they might lose a, a, a key account over their, their poor shipping uh, fumbles they've had over the last three times. That's why they're calling. And so here's a direct agreement question. You know, having, having a shipping concierge like us, tracking this 
and making sure it gets there on time, that would be a great benefit to you, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. So, wow. Um, that's an important piece there, isn't it? Absolutely. That that, that 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 is. So that's what a direct agreement question is. Um, uh, not having to handle customer complaints on shipping, that would be that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, always. That's what we do. Is we take all those, we take that burden, and we make it right. Right, and we will recommend the best solution. And so those are the four types of questions. Again, I'll just I'll just repeat the names. We yeah. got the we got the close question, uh, which is usually at the very begin, beginning, fact gathering type question. Then we've got the open questions. This is where we get dialogue. These these begin at the usually at the beginning of the conversation. And then we got the reflective questions. These are the tell me more. How is this impacting your life? What do you mean by what you just said? That gives us context. It makes it personal. And then we've got the direct agreement questions. This is where we're trying to, you know, kind of test to see, hey, are we making sense? And usually um, the next step is this. And, and we have a what we call uh, a real simple uh, formula and it, we call it pain, vision, gap, investment. So the open-ended questions, the reflective questions, they really identify the pain and create a vision for how it could be. And what we need in there is a gap between the pain and the vision. The pain in the shipping example was, gosh, you know, we've messed up on shipments lately. We have some key accounts at stake. And our vision is, we don't want to lose sleep over this anymore. We want it done right. We want to bring our customers the highest level experience possible. And so the gap is between the frustration and the pain, and we don't know how to do it, and the vision where this actually is a reputation builder instead of a reputation killer. And so this is where we come in. We fill the gap. So, Kevin, gosh. It, it sounds like you should you could use some help in your shipping. Uh, would you like some help from us? Would you like to see what that looks like? Yes. Yes. Okay, so now we get into it. So those are the four types of needs-oriented uh, questions. And you've got to know the problem. Once again, you got to know the problem you solve and your ideal audience, your ideal customer, in order to really craft the questions that help you to uncover and clarify the needs in the person or the account that you're working with. So here's the framework. We have a framework called POGO. And POGO, P-O-G-O, stands for Person, Opportunity, Goals, and Obstacles. And I know a lot of salespeople who use this strategy and on their little sheet of paper on their desk, they'll have person in the top left-hand corner, they'll have opportunity in the top right-hand corner, and then halfway down the page on the left side, they'll have goals, 
And then halfway down the page on the right side, they'll have obstacles. And so what, what they're doing, the strategy is, is to ask questions in each of these categories to really figure out what the opportunity for the whole and how we can solve that problem is for them. So the first type of questions are around the person. It's about building rapport. Tell me more. Remember I said, hey, what, what caused you to cause today or to call today? Oh, so you've got a situation going on. Well, that's, wow, I'm here to help. Tell me more about what your company does. Fantastic. What do you do in the company? Okay, so these are around the person. Uh, and, and it's personal. What keeps you up at night? So, Kevin, I was asking you a lot of person-based questions when you and I role-played in the beginning. What's yeah. important to you? Why do you want to do it? Then the second, the second uh, piece of that is opportunity. Oh, so you've got a challenge. If we solve this challenge, what does life look like now? What's the opportunity for you? Mm-hmm. What is it that uh, would be different in your life if this was taken care of? How would you use that time? These can be directed towards the individual or towards the organization, the company. The next one is goals. What goals do you have? In shipping, uh, if shipping was handled smoothly and effectively, how would that change the goals of the business? What would be, uh, personally, what goals would you achieve if, oh, well, you know, I've really been working on this project, but my time has been consumed with all these issues. I could go and get that project done. Well, if you got that project done, remember, these are the reflective and open-ended questions that we're getting... So tell me about that project. That sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. Blah, 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 blah. Well, if that project was able to happen this year, what would that mean for the business? Oh, well, that would change everything because we would open up and diversify and have less risk. Wow. Well, let me ask a question. So what you're saying is, is that the, the shipping challenges and the amount of time it's taken, that's keeping you from building that side of the business. Is that right? Mm-hmm. See, that's a direct agreement question that we knew the answer to, right? Yes. And if they don't say yes, then we've got to get clarity again. So P-O-G-O. And the last one on is obstacles. Well, well what would keep you from... Um, making the switch now to the right kind of shipping. Oh, well, I need to see how much it costs. I mean, that's usually a lot of times that's just what it boils down to. How much time and energy is it going to take? And so we organize our questions around the POGO, the person, the opportunity, the goals, and the obstacles. When we understand those four categories and ask those four types of questions in each of those categories, then we've really got a great understanding of their needs. Mm-hmm. And then I like a, um, 
a tie down question and it doesn't, it's, it's not appropriate for every situation, but I just love this question that anytime I can ask it, I do. And so I might say something like this. So Kevin, you know, it looks like based on what you've said, and I repeat back what you've told me that you're currently experiencing these issues and your vision is this. And if that vision happens, then you can spend your time on the goals and opportunities that we talked about. Does that sound fair? Have I caps, you know, if I, yeah, you're going to say yes. Well, great. So <clears throat> on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to move forward working with us on this project? What do you think? And so Kevin, you say eight. And I say, not what you think. Okay. When somebody gives me an eight, I don't ask what's it going to take me to move you to a 10. I say, Kevin, wow. An eight, that's nearly a 10. Why did you choose eight instead of say five? Oh, nice. Because what I want to hear is what the customer, what the prospect tells me is the reason they're excited about it because those are the needs and that's where the customer seems like it's, it's fitting in. And also psychologically, once they tell me all the reasons they want to do business with me, they're more likely to follow through and do business. So you, you give me all those things and I'm like, Kevin, that sounds more like a 10 than an eight, doesn't it? Yes. What do you say? Let's get started. Yes. Right. But here's the thing is when we can get clarity on their needs and then we can get the customer, the prospect to articulate how what we're offering solves those needs, then the rest of it's easy. I mean, there still might be, um, gosh, I'd love to do this, but I don't, you know, I can't write a check for the full amount today. Well, that's fantastic. What can you do? <laughs> I want to get you started today. And this is where um, it's pretty interesting. And every business is a little different uh, for entrepreneurs, small businesses, instead of just jumping in and say, hey, we take credit cards and we have a payment plan. I like to, to ask another open-ended question. Well, what can you do or what makes sense to you? And a lot of times they'll say, well, I can do half now and, and half in two weeks. And that's a lot better for you and for them than the payment plan you had lined out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so let's keep asking the right kind of questions to discover their needs. So let them tell you, uh, how they would like to pay based on their needs, not your needs to fill out a certain type of paperwork. Yeah. I mean, overall, I'm, I'm back thinking what I mentioned a minute ago with Dr. Randy James. I mean, he has a admittedly a different type of practice, a functional medicine practice. People come to him, they pay him to help them get to root issues of their health and wellness. A lot of times, you know, significant chronic illness and disease. 
He is in there trying to do just what you've talked about. Help them to discern what it is they really need. Help them and and to speak to. Gosh, based on what I see, I think you may think you need this, but I'm, I'm really seeing that I think this is what would serve the core need now that you have described that. And then to help them participate in that, help them engage, help them buy in essence. And, and the buy for him is he's trying to get them to make some lifestyle changes. And as much as this, if people hear this, I, we know one of the consummate problems with sales in hearing some of these is it sounds like a tactic. It sounds like a strategy. And that's gotten some negative baggage with it over the years. And, and rightly so, because it can be used to manipulate. Now, obviously, that's not what we're talking about doing here. But you still have to have the strategy. And I'm, I'm trying to elevate and give gravity to that reality because back to Randy, he does the same things. We're going to have lunch here in a little bit and he'll tell me about the next patient and about how they came along. And they said the same, he asked the same questions. They said the same things that most people did. He had to dig in further to help them get to the, what they truly knew, what the problem really was, what the goal really was, what the obstacle really was, just like you talked about. And then, and then help influence them towards what he sees is going to be the best solution for them. And so here he is as a doctor using this same kind of strategy. And what's his, what is he selling? He's trying to sell them to, to help themselves. This is what you, he can't make them, he can't make them healthy. He can only prescribe options that he believes will lead them based on them and their particular and unique needs to better health. And so he's using this strategy. And without that, he will not get their business. And, and it's interesting on that because before my father, Dan Miller, came to be a patient of Dr. Randy James, we tried to connect him with what looked like a very comparable functional medicine medical doctor in the area that he lived in at the time. And he went and that guy's, I'll just, I'll just long story short, say the guy had no strategy, zero he was a, he was just there to look at the, treated my dad like a bunch of numbers and give a prescription, didn't connect with him, didn't gain his trust. And my dad blew whatever the initial amount was and said, there's no way I'm not going to do that. And we got him connected with a doctor across the country, you know, Randy James, but somebody who understood that there is a strategy behind this. If we're going to help people in any way, we've got to be able to walk them through steps like what you've laid out here to help them help themselves. We're there to help them help themselves. Hopefully, you know, it's with the product or service we ultimately have, but we're going to do back to my, uh, you know, asphalt story there. Otherwise, if we don't have a strategy, generally, we're probably not going to get the business. And, the, and maybe nobody will get their, that person's business and they're going to sit there within the problem that they still have. And what a tragedy is that? It makes me think of your old story with your dad and the, the old elderly waitress at the restaurant and your dad saying somebody did not do a good job selling her husband life insurance because if they had, she would not be here at 90 years old waiting tables still. And yeah, what a tragedy. And it is our job to go out there and help people. And I, I love the framework here that you've given Tom. It's such, it's so practical. And, uh, again, the opportunity is so ripe out there for all of us who have anything to provide to other people. Cause so few people are doing this tried and true methodology. Yep. You know, Dr. James asked me one of the best reflective questions I've ever been asked. And we were probably, it was an hour long. We were probably together an hour, you know, doing the whole 
initial physical and rundown and uh, probably with Dr. James for 30 or 40 minutes of that. So, you know, it's, that's unusual these days to spend that much time with a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so about 20 or 25 minutes into it after, you know, we talked about this and that, and, you know, the strategy, he, he does the zinger. He's because he knew, he knows I'm a, a believer. And he says to me, uh, he asked a question, what does biblical health mean to you? Hmm. And then when you ask a reflective question, the best thing to do is zip it. Don't, don't say anything. If there's a long pause, that's a great sign on the other. That means they're thinking, yeah. let people think. Yeah. And so what he was really doing in that question was, Hey, um, are the things that we talked about, does it make sense? Does do you see this moving you towards biblical health? But he wasn't telling me he was uh, asking a question that I had to take ownership of the answer. Because like you said earlier, uh, a doctor can prescribe, they can't make you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so really, uh, doctors that get great results, it's generally because patients follow through with the recommendations. Mm -hmm. And they follow through on the recommendations when they take ownership and know that it's in their own best interest to do it. I, I do. I want to reiterate that point. I want to press it in a little bit because in uh, a lot of people know Jordan Peterson and his book. Uh, what is it? Twelve. 12 rules for life. Or yeah, whatever. I'm trying to look at it on my bookshelf. Yeah. And, and that it's one of his, I don't know, first three chapters or something like that. And he talks about the lack of compliance for people who are prescribed medications by their doctor. And he even gets into the hardcore ones of somebody having a kidney transplant and getting a transplant and saying, okay, you've waited all these years, you've endured all this pain. And now you're going to get the big kahuna, the transplant, but for it to be successful, you must take these medications along with it, or it will fail. And you'll be back to, you'll be worse than back to square one. And the lack of compliance on that, to that, uh, degree of, of acuteness of pathology and people still not doing it. And I, you got doctors and it doesn't benefit the point being how much of benefit is there of them figuring out what the problem is and just making a prescription pretty minimal. It's them getting the person's trust and connecting to their vision of what they need, what the payoff is, what the obstacles are overcoming all this stuff. It's just such an acute depiction of, what we need to do to real of how much we need to dig in to really help people. We need to know our craft. We need to have a strategy. If we're going to help people, this is what, this is what you need to do. Even if you don't need the money and you're going to give it all to charity, this is how you help people. That's how we could say, I mean, which is again, that's core sales. Yep. You know, in the transplant world, um, like, like liver transplants, one of the protocols is when you're on the list, um, you can't have any alcohol or you can't do certain things. Right. And if you, if you go in and your liver, you know, the transplant's ready and they do a test and they, or they discover anywhere along the way where you violated the rules, you're off the list. Hmm. 
And it's not because suddenly you're less likely to take the new liver. It's because they know that you're probably not going to be compliant on the other side. Yeah. 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 Well, it obviously it all points to a sale is not just a sale. Um, man, I'm so glad Adam asked this, that he dug in and I'd make it a call out too, for folks, as you're hearing these shows that Tom and I do on the aspects of sales and influence and personal development and change, and you've got a specific question, maybe just shoot it into us and ask, uh, shoot me an email. It's kmiller at kevinmiller.co ask, we may do a show just for you. So there you go, Adam, we'll invoice you later. Thanks for uh, <laughs> submitting the question. And Tom, man, thanks for giving your counsel. I always learn so much, brother. You bet. Be blessed. Friends, if you want more of Tom Ziegler and Ziegler sales training for you and your work and business, just visit Ziegler.com or email Tom directly at tziegler at ziegler.com. Coming up next in Ziegler Show episode 961, I'm back with Nick Pigeon to talk about her habits for success, which as a success coach, you can expect she has some powerful habits you'll be inspired and equipped by. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.